You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, alongside Tom Schreier. It's about 4.45 on a Sunday Central Time, and the Vikings are now 10-3. and Uh, They couldn't manage another escape act after doing it week in, week out for what felt like a year. Um, It it didn't work this time. Falling 34 to 23 to the Detroit Lions. You were right, Tom, about a week ago when we said which game on the schedule scares you the most. You said the Lions game. It was the Lions game. The Vikings are 10 and 3. They did not clinch the North. But just another game where... All the things that finally that were working for the Vikings, it felt like finally caught up to them. We were we've yeah. been saying it for a long time. Um, they can't keep winning like this. They tried to and it didn't work. Yeah, I think if this had been actually a worse loss, meaning by more points, I would have said, well, this is a team that bounced back from Dallas, beat New England, beat the the Jets, which was a more challenging game than it looked like at the beginning of the year. And this is a team that kind of, you know, let go of the rope or, or showed some signs of exhaustion. That's actually not what I see here. I think if you take the Lions out and you forget where this game was played and against whom, and you said you were on the road against a team that was favored by two and a half. So essentially kind of they get the, you know, they're playing at home basically is what Vegas is saying. Right. Uh <clears throat> It would explain a lot more things. We'll get into the decision-making. I think this the Vikings were overzealous. Like, they were over-correcting for a team. I know the Lions have won, what, coming into this game, five of six, or they've won five of six now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the Buffalo game, they could have won that one. Dan Campbell kind of beat himself on that one. Um, and so we talk about how they're red hot and how different this, different this Lions team was than the team that the Vikings faced in week three. By the way, let's be clear. The Vikings nearly lost that game at home right. against the Lions, right? So um, I think, you know, the Lions are on their way up. I think the best thing Dan Campbell can do and probably what he's achieving this year is that you can't just go ask the Lions, right? Uh, it's a track, trap game. This game sucks. The the players, you know, if they win, it's just because someone overlooked them. Uh, they have offensive weapons. I, I mean, we'll get into the mistakes Donatello and the defense made, but like, they have guys who can beat you. And, and certainly one of them who uh, Vikings fans are very familiar with because they could have drafted him. <laughs> but, but um, you know, they have some offensive weapons. I thought the defense kind of clamped down when they had to. Um, some creative play calling, too. The fact that they sent Sewell in motion once, sent him again, and then used him in a, in a critical moment. You know, mm-hmm. like, I just, I think what's going to happen is that I think the Lions are taking Chicago's spot, right? Like Chicago might just be the Lions for a little bit, just the mm-hmm. bad team where it's like, don't screw up that game. And the Lions might be the one. It's like, you probably should beat them, but they can't beat you. And and I think that's an achievement because it's really hard to drag yourself out of the basement. So I guess in some ways, give the Lions credit for this one. Yeah, like you were kind of, I think, alluding to, like if you just took away the record, the Lion, like the one in six start and the fact that it's the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm what we saw this week was a Vikings team losing to what is a pretty good football team. Mm-hmm. Like the one and six start for the lions, it would suggest they're not that good. Uh, but the past five weeks and now six weeks, they have been on one of the hotter teams in the league in a dynamic offense, pretty bad defense that just gets gassed for yards, but they have an offense that makes up for it, which is why I think like the Vikings have basically tried to win like the lions have been winning over the past month or so, but the, the defense kind of rubbed me the wrong way today, Tom. Mm-hmm. I know we'll, we'll mm-hmm. get into decision-making from O'Connell, 
getting a little too cute at times in, in, in you know, my yeah, opinion, yeah. especially in the first half. But like the, the Vikings allowed the, the Lions to gain 464 yards total offense. That's now five straight games allowing opposing teams to go over 400 yards of total offense. Franchise record and, and not a good one. So <laughs> like they can't keep doing this and expecting to be taken seriously in the NFC. There's a reason that a lot of people think this Vikings team is, it, are fraud. Uh, I think that they deserve some credit for winning in these close yeah. games, but this defense is not going to cut it. If the Vikings want to be taken seriously in the NFC. Yeah. I, the way I thought of, about the Vikings, I don't know if I think about it any different is that it seems like when they get smacked, they get smacked, right? You, you go to Philadelphia, you think about the the Dallas game. Uh, this one, I'm doing a little math in my head, but yeah, basically get smacked in this one, right? They haven't, yeah. they still win when it's within one score, I guess. But I think, you know, I think of like that, that stat, like obviously Buffalo put up points on them. The Dallas one was just a catastrophe. Um, but New England and, and uh, you know, the Jets ran out backup quarterbacks. I know right. Mac Jones sold jerseys and like at one point people were kind of high on him, but he really had been struggling this year and it seemed like he kind of figured it out. And the evidence after that game too would tell you it's not like Mac Jones just got a whole bunch better, kind of figured it out. Mm -hmm. Mike White is who he is. I think he's a reliable backup. I think there's some value in the league. That is not, you know, Mike White shouldn't put up the numbers he did against uh, a good defense. And then, you know, it kind of manifested here where Jared Goff said he was playing his best football coming into this game. He's playing well. It's very funny how the broadcast always likes to lean into it like a little bit too much. Like, right. give the guy credit. I think he's an accurate thrower. I think he, you know, like there's from a physical standpoint, I think he has it. I will never forget hard knocks. I think it was the year he was drafted when he was on the Rams. They're in a blimp above California. He thinks that he's looking at the sun setting in the east. And I was like, I don't think this dude's like the smartest man <laughs> in the National Football League. Um, but I think he's uh, he is also eminently likable. But like he played well in this. I think he's a product of, of the guys around him, not the just Sharks and, uh, you know, St. Brown. And obviously, James Williams looks good here. And, and but like Reynolds, right? A guy he had chemistry with who he relied on in some mm -hmm. big moments. So, um, I think it's more like he's a, a okay quarterback, a good quarterback, maybe with um, with a lot around him. And I think that's actually hyper dangerous against this Vikings team. Luke Braun ran a piece on our website on some coverage saying like the Vikings defense is broken. Is it the players or the coach? He essentially goes, look, it's actually both. I don't know if that's any more comforting to anyone, <laughs> but I think this is both like Donatel plays it pretty safe and tries to take away things over the top. And then one thing goes wrong, right? And it could be the uh, Watkins touchdown against the Eagles. It could be nearly every play against Dallas. Uh, it could be critical juncture plays New England on uh, the Jets. Or in this one, it's just like Metellus. Like once you remove the Harrison Smith piece, who, by the way, I've never seen someone more upset and had to be playing in a football game. He was like sulking in a sweatshirt the whole game. <laughs> and Josh Metellus, who's essentially a special teamer, they just picked on him, right? And they ran really creative shot plays to beat him. And I think um, that's the problem with the Donatello thing is like one once one thing collapses, it just seems like the bubble kind of bursts and teams are seeing this now. And, and it's going to be no secret the rest of the schedule. For sure. And it's a good point. Like Ed Donatello is going to get a lot of the blame and he deserves to get a lot of the blame. But the defense as a whole, secondary, I'm you know, in particular, not very talented. 
Mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson's having a resurgent year. Cam Danzler makes pop plays, but also yeah, yeah. then simultaneously gets beat over the top with pretty relative ease. Yep. And then you're playing like Duke Shelley at your nickname. <laughs> yeah. And Cam Bynum is, like you said, playing alongside Josh Metellus today because Harrison Smith is out. Yeah. And you saw the lack of talent, I think, is a kind of a reason that, that Ed Donatel calls the scheme the way he does. It's keep things in front. Let's not get beat over the top. Mm-hmm. Granted, they got beat over the top twice today while trying to keep things in front of them. <laughs> yep, yep. But I, I understand like how that wears on Vikings fans because yeah, yeah. the Lions didn't punt in the second half. Yeah. They had touchdown drives of 12 plays and 10 plays. Field goal drives of 12 plays and then you know seven plays and down the stretch when they were just trying to basically waste the clock. And it would seem like any third down, they just, if you just give Jared, Jared Goff a pocket, something's going to come open over the middle because the Vikings are trying to keep everything in front of them. Yeah. And, and, and it continued to come open over the middle. And Jared Goff just continued to move the ball with these. I, I think that you, you referenced it um, the third down conversion to Penny Sewell, mm-hmm. awesome play design, awesome play call in that moment. Um, it's one of those that if it works, you're like, oh my God, this guy's a genius. And if Penny Sewell drops the ball, you're like, He's this an guy's an lineman. idiot. Why <laughs> yeah. are you throwing to an offensive lineman? Yeah. It worked. And and I think it was such a fitting way for this game to basically end. Because that 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 mm-hmm. catch puts the game on ice. The Vikings can't get the ball back down eight. Um Detroit ends up kicking a field goal, but like it, it is a great play call in a vacuum and also a perfect way for this game to end. The Vikings cannot get a stop, cannot get off the field. And in the biggest, most pivotal moment of the game, they let a six foot seven, six foot five, 335 pound lineman catch the ball to kind of put the game away. Yeah. Yeah. Poetic. I, I think I think to the point of like who's on that defense also like Channon Sullivan hasn't been yeah. very good you know like yeah. I dancer frustrates me because dancer like dancer is actually a great tackler and will just like blow up a play yes. occasionally and then there's uh, and there's other by the way I think he should have had help on the one that he got beaten again I think Metellus bought on the play action I'm I'm trying to recall like in real time but mm-hmm. um but I think but that's the thing like dancer will just get fooled and you know I think they did a good job on the broadcast saying Patrick Peterson's good. Amon Ross St. Brown is just faster though. Like he's yeah. just quicker than him. And that's the difference between a young and upcoming uh, receiver and a guy on the tail end of his career. So like, I think the, uh, this is where like, again, like we have to be clear, like that's the other element, you know, I was talking about how like take away Detroit and, and when, you know, you're going into a place where the other team's favored, you're also going in without your center, without Derrissaw still, without Harrison Smith. You know what I mean? And like, and like this yes. is compounding, especially on the defense, compounding on top of you, you're running, it, which I love Duke Shelley, like a dude that small, they're like last in the NFL is crazy, but like he is like five, nine, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. like, I think they, I think Donatel was saying like, look, it's changing the shape of our defense because I'm, I keep giving help to the, uh, to these corners as we dig into the depth. And it's just like dancer going in doesn't make up for Harrison Smith going out. You know what right. I mean? Harrison Smith is bailing those guys out because he can play really close to the receivers. He's just kind of smart and savvy enough. I actually like Cam Bynum. I think he's a player that it's really evident he was a corner in college. Mm-hmm. They converted him last year. And so it's like he goes from corner to Zimmer scheme to whole new like Donatello scheme. I don't think that matters if you're Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, even like Daniil Hunter. Mm-hmm. I think it does matter if you're a guy who's literally learning the technique of a safety. Um, and, you know, it's just like Bynum 
because it actually looked on one of the plays, one of the, like where Metellus clearly screwed up. It actually looked like Bynum at first, and it's like Bynum's going to get blamed for stuff that's probably not his fault because he's trying to like bail out a corner who's overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and the other safety screwed up. So, you know, I don't know this. Yeah, it's it's a little bit where like everything kind of goes haywire. Um, having said that, it's like you have to look at it in the context of like the Jets shouldn't be run, running gash plays against you. The uh, Patriots shouldn't. Yeah. Also, go back to the old Detroit, the first Detroit game they kept on going over the middle on third down. Like, if you remember that, it was always crossing mm-hmm, routes, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that is just – it's not just simply that there's there's uh, injuries and stuff. It's not simply the players. That's the Donatello side that I think he's running this complicated defense where, like, sometimes they're in zone on one side and, and man on the other. <clears throat> That's a brilliant idea in the abstract. I think it's really confusing if you're like Duke Shelley. Yes. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I mean? Yes. And so like, so let alone like dancer who's learning something new or whatever, buying them, you go back to these kind of old regime guys. So I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things the Vikings are going to have to think here, you know, and we don't know how this season will end. And actually like, there's some concerns even going into easier games on the stretch here because of how they lost. But a big question will be, do you stick with the down scheme? Cause you already converted it over and get him the guys. And again, that's a question about Quasi that we don't know. How does he draft, right? But mm-hmm. um, or is it you just bring someone else in who kind of can deal with the personnel they have? And this is this is kind of the tough thing about having a regime change at the end of a defensive coach's regime, where essentially that seventeen squad will flush out at some point, right? Those guys are all gone, and yes. they're gonna have to think of what to do next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a it's still a concerning thing, and like like you said, like losing Harrison Smith for the game and adding cam by or cam Danzler back in yeah not an even trade and i think the vikings defensively are probably going to try and explain this game away like oh we were without harrison smith mm-hmm. um and, and i would expect that to be kind of what they kind of fall back on but as you mentioned harrison smith did play against the patriots he did play against the jets mm-hmm. and this has been a recurring theme gash plays um just kind of over the middle wide open you know, crossers running. Even you look back at the Jets game last week, Cam Bynum makes the pick as time expires, but those crossing routes, those in-breaking routes work mm-hmm. all day, mm-hmm. you know, as Mike White moved up and down the field. Worked again today. Um, so defense deserves a lot of the blame in this 34-23 to 23 loss. But not all of it. We When we come back, we'll talk about some decision-makings. I, I don't know. Like, Kevin O'Connell has been great this year. Um, you can't really judge him off of one game, but I will say, I think today was the first time in my mind, besides like the Eagles game against a really good team and the 37 mm-hmm. point blowout, which I think is kind of a wash where I, I do think he got out coached. Um, we'll yeah. talk more about that when we get back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dean Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We are breaking down the Vikings' 11-point loss to the Detroit Lions. Vikings now 10-3, and do not clinch the NFC North. There is a world in which the Vikings lose out, Lions win out, then we're talking tiebreakers. Um, so the NFC North is not won today. It could be won next week. Um, but more the more glaring issue, um, a lot of the things that have plagued the Vikings this year that they've managed to battle through, 
kind of reared their ugly head and, and, and added up to a loss. Tom, what mm-hmm. did you, we, we, we were talking about it a little bit, you know, in segment one, Kevin O'Connell probably out coached today. There, there mm-hmm. were just things throughout the game uh, that, that made you kind of go, okay, um, well, that wasn't good. So, you know, what was your biggest takeaway? I know there's, there's obviously one play a lot of people are talking about. Um, if you want to dig into that, go ahead. But if not, just, you know, big picture, what do you think of O'Connell's day? Yeah, I think big picture. I think it's a little bit of like he kind of outsmarted himself. Like mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I'm down a couple guys. This is on the road. I do think coaches actually think more in terms of like that's the blue team you know what i mean like because because like to them they see all the changing parts right they constantly get and lose jobs basically and they probably kind of know like half the guys on the sideline or whatever so to someone who's watched the vikings their whole life you go yeah well yeah you have to beat the lions to someone else they're like dude i'm some guy from san diego who previously had a job here and whatever and like whatever so um, i think you know I, I think he went into it almost like overzealous. I go, you know, like this is not the most important one or the the fatal mistake, if you will. But uh, and I'm trying to play, pull up the actual sequence of it. But like that fourth and one play, where again, I don't mind the aggressiveness. I actually like. I think the broadcast like did not explain it well. Like you just go for fourth and one there because you're like in the middle of the field, you know. Like and right. and, and you should. And I understand people don't like charts and stuff, but it's like this is something where even before kind of like analytics took over people were like, man, these coaches are too conservative. Like for God's sake, you have to get a yard. I don't understand. I think Dalvin cooks a really special player. I don't understand why it was like a draw run, you know, up the middle. Um, And I just, I think the hard thing is like Kirk cousins, isn't the kind of player where it's like, just put in his hands. Right. Like when going back to like week one, when LaFleur took the ball out of uh, Rogers hands, at fourth and one, I was like, well, what the hell are you doing? Like it's right. Aaron Rodgers, right? And if it's Mahomes or if it's Josh Allen or something, obviously cousins isn't there, but you have so many weapons there. My preference would be like give Kirk the options and he'll go through those reads pretty quick and find the guy, right? And you have mm-hmm. enough of these like weird like Osborne weirdly, like they go to him in key situations and he usually has sure hands. I uh, you I know Hawkinson had that weird drop, but like Hawkinson is a kind of guy you could, you know, it doesn't need to be yes. a Justin Jefferson play. I don't understand why they ran it there. And like, that was the start of kind of this, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. The, the run play there, if you're going to run, I get it. Like a lot of their runs as a, as a team are constructed with the outside zone and, and getting the running back, the ball out of the gun, but you need one yard. It's always going to be lost on me when you put the running back, you know, six mm-hmm. yards in the backfield on fourth and one. Yeah. Well, what did you think of the jump pass in at the end, in the end zone? Um, I, you know, Kevin O'Connell defended the play after the game, um, basically said that we, we've worked on it in practice. It was there. Interior pressure screwed with the timing. Uh, but given the situation, end of the half, a, a, time, a chance to double up, something O'Connell loves to do, score at the end of the half, get the ball back in the second, yeah, yeah. you know, to start the second and score again. Detroit, I think, had one timeout at the time. You could have run the ball and, and kind of forced them to use it or, you know, kept the clock running, made sure that Jared Goff and the offense didn't get any sort of time left on the clock to make anything happen, score any points. Instead, they go with, you know, a, a jump pass where it's handed, it's tossed yeah. to Dalvin Cook. He kind of shuffles his feet and he's supposed to throw um, and he doesn't get the ball you know, tucked away, fumbles, Lions ball. They end up missing the field goal. But the, you know, the bigger issue is that the Vikings don't get any points on that red zone possession. Yeah. What did you think of that play call in that moment? Yeah, um, I didn't like it. I mean, I think I, I'm an advocate of like 
trick plays for lack of a better word. Like I, I definitely want to see Justin Jefferson throw the ball. He clearly wants to throw the ball. And I think I've seen enough where like he throws accurately enough. He, yes. he tucked and ran with it. I think against the jets and like, he's clearly like, like asking the team to like, let him do this. And I'm fine with cook doing it. It's just like in a crucial juncture, you had a guy whose job isn't to throw the ball throwing to a guy who mm -hmm. isn't your best tight end, right? It isn't Hawkinson. He was throwing to Johnny Munn on that play. And I think that's a play. I like the creativity. I actually think O'Connell, especially early on when he wasn't doing other things right, was actually really creative in the red zone and, and setting up his guys. And that's mm -hmm. something we just didn't see with like Clint Kubiak or the other guys under Zimmer. Um, I just play it straight up. And I yeah. think that's a play you go to if you're just not getting it done. And I think this is actually kind of the chief concern I have with the Vikings in this game. They played like the Lions should beat them, right? You should go into, if you're the 10-win team and you're playing the 5-win team, I understand yes. how hot the Lions are. I, the more I think about it, the Lions just really screwed up the first part of their season. But yes. like, but I think like, Go play him straight up. Like, just run Dalvin Cook at him. Run a fade route to Justin Jefferson. Do something for Hawkinson. Like, just play it at least in that juncture straight up. And it's I first just, and goal. Yeah, it's first yeah. and goal from the three. Exactly. And, that you know, Thielen even just made a play there. Like, Thielen could be an – you know, that's the thing is, like, just play that straight up. I know, like, the odds of what happened are low. Like, like it – it was a good strip play or whatever, but like that could happen if he's just dancing around in the backfield. Yes. Um, he could throw, he could miss months, you know, or whatever. Like, you know, there's just like, I get the creativity and stuff. I think that's a play you run if you're just stuck. And I think let yourself get stuck before you run that play, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I get it. I understand both sides of the coin. And if that play works, people are like, Oh my God, what a play in that moment. Um, but I think, regardless of if it worked or if it didn't, I would just be like thinking the same thing like you, like you didn't need to do that. Dalvin cook had a touchdown run earlier in the game. Yeah. You know, granted he was ineffective for basically the entire game kind of rendered ineffective with, with constant negative runs. But in that moment, first and goal from the three, a chance to make Detroit burn their final timeout, run it again, get the clock down, almost leave them no time to score. You call, a, like you said, a, a play for someone to do something that they're not used to doing. And, mm -hmm. and that's where you kind of lose me there. I think a lot of the things that happened on that particular play probably would not happen if you ran that play 10 times. Um, yeah. I don't know if the interior lineman would get destroyed. I don't know if Dalvin Cook would shuffle his feet to ruin the timing of the route. I don't know if the punch at the ball would be perfect. But like you leave yeah. yourself susceptible to those things when you don't play straight up, like you said, the Vikings played this game, like they were the five and seven team chasing down the 10 and two team. Um, yeah, they tried yeah. to kind of, and you almost saw it too with, you know, Kevin O'Connell going for two. I, I generally like going for two down eight. Um, I, I think it's, you know, it's something where the analytics kind of support. Yeah. You're more likely to get a two point conversion twice, or you, you're less likely to get stopped twice on a two point conversion yeah. than you are to, to, you know, so it, it, there's, there's math behind that, but it, that's another one where you know, you're not playing for overtime. You're playing for, you know, to try and win the game outright in regulation, which I generally think is a good strategy, but 
against the Lions, when you're the 10 and 2 football team, I think you just have to play this one straight up and, and then say your players are better than theirs. Yeah, I think it's interesting that Devin Cook went for 96 yards, I think, in the first game. Mm-hmm. And Justin Jefferson, the Lions held him to 14. So it's kind of crazy that of all teams, that was the one, right? Yeah. Um, I think what changed really is Jefferson learned the defense a little more and Cousins honestly just got a little more ambitious with his throws, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I think um I still think I would not look at this as like, well, um, Cook had 23 yards, so therefore he can't punch it in. I just think that's like a bad mentality. I'm not saying yes. the team did. I just, it's, it, it's the same thing where like, yeah, it's a little funny that Justin Jefferson, we can get into how the hell this team only scored 23 points and Justin Jefferson had 223 yards receiving. But it's it's kind of the same fallacy where you're like, we'll go to him in the end zone. That's not really true. I just think it's more give Kirk options, like run a couple different plays and try a few different things before you kind of go into this, um, you know, desperation mode or whatever you want to call it. I think in terms of, you know, going for two. Um, yeah. I mean, I, so yeah, down, down eight. I mean, sure. Part, part of me is like Greg Joseph isn't a sure thing in terms of kicking the field goal. Um, I understand the analytics. I just thought there was enough time and it tr- turned out to be true that like you Close, could end yeah. up, you, yeah, you end up chasing the point, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I think, listen, they've done that in games where Joseph just missed, but I, yeah, I mean, I like an aggressive mentality. It just, it felt overzealous. I guess that's my point is like, it, yes. it just felt overzealous in what they did. And so it's like, don't take away the aggressive mentality, go beat a team on the road. Right. But, um, you just overdid it a little bit. And maybe that's just a first year coach has to calibrate that or whatever. But yeah, I just, it also is just kind of a weird play. I know Thielen had just scored or whatever, or had just set up, mm-hmm, set mm-hmm. them up or whatever, but like, yeah, the screen to Thielen, I just, I don't know. It just, it was a bit of like a hmm, game and I guess that's how you get this result. Yeah. And look, the, like he is a first year coach. These things are going to happen. You know, he, he's pitched, not a perfect game to this point, but he, really Kevin well. Yeah. been really, really, really yeah. good. And, yeah. and, and this game doesn't take away from, from how, how good he's been this season and, you know, the direction that he has the Vikings going in, you know, in the positive way. Yeah. But there were just some head scratching calls. It felt like, like you said, they almost coached it knowing they're down Christian Dare saw down their starting center, Garrett Bradbury down Harrison Smith. Like, uh, oh man, they almost yeah. bought into the under, like we're the underdogs narrative almost too much, like from the jump of the game, like we're the underdogs. We have to make these plays. We have to take these risks when they were the 10 and two football team going in against a team that they had already beaten granted by the skin of their teeth. Um, but yeah, from the, from the opening kickoff on, I think you saw just some head scratching plays, which, which was a little bit, a little bit weird for me from, from what we, what we've seen to this point. I guess I think this is at some point the Vikings are going to have to decide and maybe just like O'Connell's more realist than we think. But like, at what point are you just a dominant team? Right. And we haven't seen that as much as we've seen the record. This is not 98. Um, This is not the the kind of team. It's not even like the the 17 team was so funny because it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, how, how are you winning? You know what I mean? So it's not, it's not even kind of the, you know, effort mentality or whatever they had. Like this is, this is kind of just like they've embraced this identity of, as you mentioned, the underdog that like Mm -hmm. who will make the next player or whatever. Um, Don't force that narrative. You know what I mean? And it felt like in some ways, like, like even we, Matt Daniels, now there's another one he got out coached in, but like, Matt yeah. Daniels in general, like, yep. has been really good. I know we didn't prep to talk about Matt Daniels here, but the fact that he gets 
be like a bad return um mm-hmm. gets beat on the uh fake punt like this is a guy we're talking about and i actually think he will be like a potential head coaching candidate he is 33 which is my my age as well which kind of makes me feel weird but like i'm like that dude is like in a really accomplished coach having said that like that's something that we didn't expect to see and like good for detroit that this guy who had never heard of their offensive coordinator outside of like, obviously I guess within the game in week three, like he goes, yeah, we got a good return. Let's punch it in. You know what I mean? And that's actually a sign of like a good team that mm-hmm. probably no one expected going. We talked about after the jets game, I think like eventually the, the gash plays, will, they'll just score on them. Yeah. That's what they did. They go, I'm going to challenge Metallus. We just had a great return or whatever. We just, you know, faked you out on the, on the punt. So yeah, it's just, it's, there are some uncharacteristic things. And then there's also some things where you want to see elements of it. You want to see elements of aggressiveness. They just yes. overdid it. And so again, sometimes I forget it's the first year, honestly, because it feels so long ago that they were in training camp, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And maybe we should see more progress at this point. Having said this, I guess I'll remind people, I think they'll iron some of this out by year two, year three, some of that stuff. Yeah. So kind of a funky week. They're, they're 10 and three now. Um, Tom kind of teased it, but when we come back, we'll talk more about Justin Jefferson. Can't talk about that guy enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredible. It's amazing that the Vikings only scored 23 points today, considering what Justin Jefferson did. Uh, more on that when we return. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We are talking about the Vikings falling to the Detroit Lions on the road. They are not NFC North champions, not yet. Um, if you like what you're hearing, you probably don't today because we're talking all about the Vikings <laughs> loss. But if you like what you're hearing generally in the general sense, um, give us a follow. Make sure you're following us. Um, we go podcast, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're there. If you like it, rate us, review us. That all helps. Um, but yeah, you probably don't like what we're speaking of right now. <laughs> You might, because we're going to talk about Justin Jefferson now. 11 catches, 223 yards, no touchdowns, should have had one because he did not step out of yeah. bounds in the game. God, you just can't. There, there's not enough words to say how good that guy is. Um, it's amazing that the, the Detroit Lions were able to hold him to 14 yards in week three um, because he had that in you know so many times in one catch today. Um, just a dominant performance, breaks Sammy White's record which somehow withstood the test of time. The Vikings had Randy Moss, had Chris Carter. Um, uh, while yeah. I'm not putting Diggs into the conversation of Randy Moss and Chris Carter, not he yet. Was really good, yeah. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. And, and this record has stood the test of time until now. Justin Jefferson was going to break it eventually. Now he is the owner of the single game record for most receiving yards, um, 223 yards today. Um, just just an incredible player tom and, and and one i think we're lucky to watch week in week out yeah i'm trying to look up because so, like sammy white is a little before my time here he's from winsboro louisiana like i wonder if this is two louisiana guys who are tearing it up for the minnesota vikings but <laughs> again kind of a crazy career here like he was offensive rookie of the year in 1976 his rookie year finished uh age 31 in 1985 so just kind of missed you know this this resurgence or whatever but like mm-hmm because I think the Vikings were getting 87 again this is before I was born. But like um you know the the point is like it's crazy that this record has stood. It's um it, we're entering the territory Randy Moss is sacred to many Vikings fans. Justin Jefferson is is very much gotten to be like the number one guy where you think it's Moss and Jefferson, right? right um right. but yeah, you talk about Chris Carter and all these other guys. Yeah, I think 
I think a lot of this, it's very funny. Like I, I got to imagine the relationship between Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins is very, very funny. You have a young guy coming in the league, kind of telling this older player who like really studies foot. Like mm-hmm. this is a Hassan had an article where he found out that Kirk Cousins sits with a whiteboard at a cubicle. Right. And you think of like that image. Right. And mm-hmm. this guy drawn up plays and kind of running the, you know, the X's and O's and how, technically he thinks about football how he's a perfectionist and it bothers him so much when he makes a mistake and you have justin jefferson who is like a free spirit right (laughs) who has this dance move that he had a plan this is when we should have known he was good he had a he had a plan for when he went into the end zone he's like i'm gonna do this dance and everyone else is gonna do it apparently right yes um he's you know like the the route running and stuff i don't know so i know a lot of this is like it's this younger guy telling cousins like hey dude just throw me the ball catch it and he continues to prove him right right the one he should have had was, I think it was against the Jets, th- thrown a little behind him again. Probably should have caught it. But in general, we can't think of many plays where he, do- he doesn't live up to his word. And mm-hmm. I like that he went and did it um, against the Lions. I, for the same reason, I like that he did it against the Patriots, right? They get blown out. Four days later, they have to play the Patriots. It would have been easy for O'Connell to go, fine, take Jefferson away. I'll try to beat you with Hawkinson and Osborne and Thielen. Instead, he was in the game plan and they executed and it sounds like they kind of worked together on this stuff. Um, I love that. Fine. You held me to 14 yards. I'm going to go drop 223 on you. And I think a lot of it is his communication with O'Connell, obviously. Um, but also I think it seems like, and it feels like Thielen's the lays on here. I think Thielen's showing Jefferson why he doesn't get the ball sometimes, right? Like you're open, but where, why would, you know, cousins won't see you. He's being hit. Yes. And I think the other thing, Cousins is doing two big things, stepping out of the pocket and taking hits to extend plays and throwing it into dangerous areas. And it seems like that mix has allowed Justin Jefferson to do it. And this is why I think he could even top this number at some point. I mean, it's just enable Justin Jefferson, he'll deliver for you. It was about the quietest. I think he had 93 yards at halftime and it was the yeah. quietest yeah. 93 yards I'd ever seen. Like yeah. I, I assumed he, I looked at, I like, he probably has like 40, 50 yards. He had basically a hundred in the first half. And, and with those plays, like you said, it's just like, it's not always the home run over the top. Um, what makes him so good is like, he can run those intermediate routes. He, mm-hmm. he finds a way to, to make himself open, um, to find areas of, of certain zone coverages, to find the holes in the defense. And then when he asks you to make the play over the big catch over the middle while he's getting draped by a defender or, you know, the make the catch with that Kirk fits into the window between the corner and the safety and, and Justin Jefferson makes that catch knowing he's going to get pinballed around. Mm. He he's spectacular. And, and I, I agree with you. Like the fact that he was able to kind of have this marquee moment game, it's a shame they lost because like, yeah, be looking at this, this game is like, Holy shit. Like how good is Justin Jefferson? He's better than we even imagined. Um, if they had won this game, um, but to have it against a team that completely shut you down, worst yardage output of his career in week three. And in talking to him this week, he was like, yeah, we got stuff planned. Like they won't do it again. And you're just kind of like, okay, of course he's going to say that. Yeah. Um, but then to go, you know, prove it, um, it. It was impressive. It just shows how good he is. Kirk cousins was also really good today too. Like mm-hmm. I mean, they're 425 yards, tried his best to keep the Vikings in it. Um, like he just didn't get the ball. There was not enough possessions where Kirk, you know, had a chance to kind of keep, he did his best to keep them within striking distance, but the defense couldn't get off the field. So there just mm-hmm. weren't enough possessions to go around today. And he still threw for 425 yards. Um, just all around a weird game. 
Um, but yeah, Justin Jefferson, not we can't say enough good things about. I him. think I think it's worth mentioning too. It's not like it was Jefferson at the expense of everyone else. Hawkinson six receptions, seventy-seven yards. Again, people remember the drop, but I think he came in critical yeah. spots. Thielen seven for sixty-five. Um, he had touched on Osborne five for thirty-eight. So you know, it's not it's not as though like it was kind of. Um, like a spectacular individual effort that doesn't help the team, which, you know, we see, like, think about like basketball, this happens all the time. Yep. Yeah. So this wasn't, I guess this wasn't Russell Westbrook, right? <laughs> you know, it was like they, uh, yes. it, 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 Justin Jefferson was helping the team. I don't understand why on that, um, on the call that went out of bounds, the official must've been certain, but like, that's one you should just let it go and then go back and review it. Right. 100%. Um, and it did cost some time. I mean, ultimately I don't know how much it really mattered, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I like, yes, I like this mentality of, of get Jefferson involved and just kind of let people know, like you, you can't do this twice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also like that it helped. And again, it was just baffling that like, you're like, how did they only score 23? But this is what happens. I think when, bad play on fourth down bad play in the red zone um you know i'm trying to remember there was one other mistake o'connell made and i was like man you're overthinking it too mm-hmm. but you know i know some people didn't like the off- onside kick i was like i don't think i would leave it in the defensive hands there i know yeah, that's like what yeah. zimmer would do but zimmer had a different defense it was a defensive coach um but you know there just was enough of kind of like this of kind of mistakes and and again like there's one thing I know the Eagles bought into the uh, underdog narrative the year they won uh, here in Minneapolis, but like they had their backup quarterback in and you know what I mean? There was like reason to kind of believe that they were, I actually don't think the Vikings should buy into the underdog narrative. I think they should like, I know it's four games left, but it's like four very winnable games. I think they should try to go into the playoffs with a dominant narrative um, in their mind or kind of this mindset, like we're going to go beat teams because we just know this isn't going to work and you, you could lose to Indianapolis like this. You know, you could lose yes. to the Giants. Naples a really good coach. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a, the Vikings are going to be an adventure because they always are. It seems like even a year where you should know something about the team, we know nothing. So yeah. and <laughs> we and are. Look, Tom, you're right. Like if they play like this next week against Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday in a shortened week, yeah, they could lose. They could lose. So it's like I am with you. You have a month left in the regular season to figure things out. Bear with me as I go down this rabbit hole real quick. Like I, cause I am by no means saying the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl, but yeah, the Rams last year did not win a game in November. No. Closed hard and strong. And, and went into the playoffs with momentum. and and But I think at, at in November, people were looking at the Rams as like, this team's fraud. Like, they they were they are not that good. This is a team that, you know, Stafford's just going to Stafford when, when you know, in, in key moments. And they were able to kind of shake that narrative, um, granted, with, with a little more time, but as with a strong end of the season. Vikings have four games they absolutely should win down the stretch. And then they're still kind of searching for that, that signature, like not signature win. Cause they have a couple of those, they have a couple mm-hmm. of good wins now, but like a dominant 60 minute performance where they just control the game from start to finish that could be against Indianapolis. And maybe you roll that into the final three weeks of the season. Um, but yeah, they, they, this is not a team that I could think can just kind of rest on the fact that oh, we have 10, we're 10 and three. We have the NFC North all but locked up granted, you know, barring something crazy happening, um, and, you know, we're sitting pretty with the two seed. Um, yeah, They need to kind of 
put their foot on the gas and then continue to drive over the final month of the regular season. Cause the last thing you want is to enter the playoffs kind of licking your wounds and being like, are we even that good? Yeah. I Cause I really think like as the season's going, use the next four games to kind of like have statement games or at least one, as you were saying, like go, go dominate some people. Cause you should mm-hmm. dominate these teams. I think what you have to push back against actually is, is getting beat by like a, like the giants or Washington or something, you know what I mean? The playoffs, mm-hmm. like that's devastating. That's such a devastating at this point, given their, their win total, that's such a devastating way to lose where I think if, if you, if you have another team beat, like another team goes out and beats you, right? You go, yeah, we kind of saw this happen in the regular season with the Eagles, yeah. right? We kind of saw this happen in the regular season with the Cowboys. Um, you know, the, the, we talked about how weird the Niners are, but like the Niners are another team in that pot. But yeah, I think, I think you just have to, they need to show it to themselves and they, they don't need to prove them themselves that they can make a key play at a crucial point. I don't think that goes away after the lions game. Right. I, I think they're brought in, but show yourself that you can do something else. Right. Cousins. Listen, cousin, we talked about cousins. He was good. And he's proven that he can get the ball to Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. Right. He like, I think it reinforces it for him as much as it does for Jefferson. Every time he makes a pass that he thinks is risky and Justin Jefferson comes down with it, they need to expand that to like the whole team, take some risks, not the unnecessary ones they did, but like go beat the Colts. Like, especially when it's NFL network and they're kind of promoting it as like a prime time ish game. Right. Uh-huh go show people like we can go beat someone because because that'll actually give people confidence that they'll win the first game in the playoffs right the second one you're not going to prove until um until you actually play that playoff game because there's no one of that caliber that they're going to play to finish the season for sure certainly a lot to talk about as we kind of hit the home stretch here um we will kind of stop talking about the loss to the lions probably sure for now um 40 minutes is probably long enough um, the Vikings are going to turn the page quickly. They're going to have to because they play in six days um, back at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, me and Tom will come at you on Tuesday, kind of break down more of this game. Um, we'll probably get some, you know, words from O'Connell on Monday and you know, the, the week itself could be a little bit different because they play on a Saturday, but um, we will record on Tuesday on Thursday and then, you know, Saturday post game. So that's all we got today. Um, if you're listening, if you got all the way to the end of this, Sorry, Vikings fans. Sorry, but uh, you know the Vikings are still ten and three. Um, they will play Indianapolis next week, hoping for a better result. But uh, you know we'll talk to you more on Tuesday for Tom Schreier. I'm Dane Mizutani. We're out.